Morning Liberty. Oh, man. Just every time that song comes in, I just feel so pumped up, you know? You feel pumped up a little? So, do you feel any nostalgia? A little bit, yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's a song from my uh, deceased band, uh, formerly known as Darling Parade. If you want to look that up on iTunes... Darling Parade. That's a song called Change. So Deceased. Yeah. No longer with us. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's we, what bands do, you know. Well, Darling Parade, she was <clears throat> such a nice person. She know? was. Poor. If you ever wanted to turn to someone, <clears throat> she was there. Yeah. Like if you felt like you just wanted, like you you wanted to turn. Yeah. Yeah. When when you swiveled your head over, what you most <clears throat> wanted to find was my band, Darling Parade. Man, I really want so, It sounds like I want to hang out with Darling Parade. Oh, I forgot. Ah, uh, dead. gone. Dead. Yeah. That's what bands do. You know, mm-hmm. they, they just, it's hard to keep a band going because the the weirdest thing about the music industry, this is, it's kind of a, it's a new thing. It kind of happened when we were in high school, really, but we're trying to sell a product that no one wants to pay for at all. Hmm. Like, it's really hard if you're selling, trying to sell a product, trying to make money off of a product that everyone expects to get for free. Yeah. You know, and I actually, I've like, this is the Good Morning Liberty podcast, by the way. Yes. My name's Nate. Yeah, that was a quick transition. Yeah, sorry, I forgot. Forgot. It's um, okay. <laughs> I liken what happened in the in the music industry to kind of like socialism or kind of what the effects of socialism has on different markets when you when you see things that people decide they want to get for free. Because back in the old days... You know, back when we were in grade school and stuff, record labels used to sign bands and take chances on these new styles, these new sounds. And they would go out, they would sign bands, and they would try to develop them. And and hopefully, if people like them, they would recoup their money off of the album sales, uh, everything like that. And what we found, basically after, I guess, Napster and then iTunes and the burnable CD... Uh, which kids, if you're listening, the CD is this round, like kind of, it's kind of shiny on one side. And then it on the other side, it has like words or writing or some kind of artwork. But uh, what we saw after Napster and the burnable CD, iTunes, all this was that no one wants to pay for music anymore. And once that happened, once you had a market when you, that had a product that the entire public thinks that they should be able to get for free, what happened was the people who used to make investments in the innovations in that market and bringing new products to that market, they stopped making investments into it because it's a lot harder to recoup their money. And so if you think about music these days, um, not all that great. It's all kind of the same, just computerized, copy-paste, you know, just it all sounds real generic and, and just the same to me. You know? They don't want to take much risk. There's no risk. So they use these computer algorithms basically to to decide what they think people are going to like. And then they generate songs based on just a couple different concepts. And they just remake that over and over and over again all the time. Um, this is kind of what I would expect in socialism with other markets or not you don't have to use the word socialism but once everyone in a market decides that they should be able to get that product for free and it becomes hard to recoup any kind of investment off of that then you stop seeing people invest in new innovations in that market and i think that's what we've seen in music so that's really random i didn't plan on talking about that at all no but uh no. you know welcome at welcome back everybody to the good morning liberty <laughs> podcast it's a little bit of music business news for you to see how destructive socialism is in the music industry <laughs> i even blame the music failure and, on socialism <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, yeah that's what happens and we could go further into that but i wanted to let you know before we do that you must subscribe to get this free podcast that's right just like your music this podcast is free available straight to your phone as long as you hit that subscribe button i think we're still running a, a sip and scan coupon code on that subscribe button to get that for free for the next two minutes uh so you have Actually, I'm, let's just do a minute. Yeah. You've got one minute to hit that subscribe button. On my phone, it's purple. Yeah. <laughs> so on your phone, it might be a different color, but it says subscribe. Um, so you mentioned that the podcast was free. Does that mean that all of the podcasts are just terrible and generic, I guess? 
No. I, why is that, you think? Well, because you're able to run advertising. Yeah. Well, also, it's it costs you, like, no money to start a podcast. There's, like, no investment. Almost no money. And, yeah, I mean, a little bit. And you don't even have to. We have nice microphones, but you don't even have to have a, a really nice microphone to have this a, a podcast. This podcast sounds dope. Yeah, it does. It's it high does. quality. Yeah, and it's really nice. You for do the, need. I mean, if you want people to listen, you need to have a high quality. Yeah, I mean, show. The, the higher quality you are, the more the more people will decide to listen. Mm-hmm. I think so. But podcasts are different because you know, with music, if you want to release a, your band song and you want to have a decent quality song, you're gonna have to spend thousands of dollars on on the production of it, uh, on all of the equipment you're gonna need for that. You're gonna pay a producer. All these things that have to go into it. Where at the end of an album, you've got tens of thousands of dollars of cost whereas with a podcast there's not really a lot of upfront cost so that's why it's okay for a podcast to be free and you can still get good quality podcasts like this gml podcast that you're listening to right now that's right yeah um i wanted to so a couple things today uh i wanted to talk about uh i wanted to talk about the minimum wage and what we're seeing its effects due in New York to the restaurant market. And then also, I wanted to talk about the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, which the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act is more commonly referred to the, as the Trump tax cuts or the, uh, the uh, giveaway to the billionaires and millionaires is, yeah. what, is, I guess, what it is. Corporate subsidies. Yeah, yeah, I guess. So when you let people keep a little bit more of their own money, that's today that's considered a giveaway yeah which is which is really weird like hey i was going to take 35 percent of your money without your permission but now i'm only going to take 22 percent of your money without your permission and then you have people like bernie sanders who will qualify that as a giveaway to you and that's i saw this meme today it's like if you make fifty thousand dollars a year uh what you pay in federal income tax like $300 $300 goes to welfare and $25 goes to snap food. And then it said $4,000, like your biggest expense goes to corporate subsidies. Yeah. I've seen that one before. It's, it's so ridiculous. So completely made up. It is. Yeah. I, I think uh, our friend Isaac posted something like that one time and I immediately commented on it and he was like, dang it. I was hoping you wouldn't call me out on that. <laughs> I <was laughs> like, yeah. That's not quite how the budget's broken down at all. Sounds. So. Yeah. It sounds evil. Yeah, well, that gives you someone to be upset with, Yeah, which makes your life better because then it's not your fault, Mm -hmm. and then you would be enough, you know? (laughs) So uh, I wanted to talk about the tax cuts because I saw a couple times last week, I saw rolling through my news feed were these articles about how the tax cuts, the Trump tax cuts, are not having the desired effect that everyone said they were going to have. If you remember when they were promoting the tax cuts, the Republicans were out there talking about how if we let the businesses keep a little bit more of their own money, that they're going to make investments back into back into their businesses, uh, more research and development. They're going to repatriate money uh, from overseas back into the United States. They'll move their plants into the United States. Um, and then also they'll raise people's wages at the same time. And that's what we are going to see from this from this pretty big reduction in taxes. I mean, the the tax cut cut the business taxes by 30-something percent. It went from 35% down to 22%. So um, it was a pretty big tax cut for the businesses, and taxes are a really big portion of businesses' expenses, whether your news headlines say that or not. So I wanted to... I was just kind of thinking um, why this wasn't having the desired effect, because the economic growth is still kind of flat or slowing. Um, they they did have reports that our GDP was up 3.5%. And then actually what happened was they revised that number down later back down to like 2.2% um, or 2.8%, something like that. So this, this narrative ramping up to the election is going back on this old thing that so-called trickle-down economics, which is not a real economic term um, trickle down economics doesn't actually work that in fact all these people are just pocketing all the extra money and you're still screwed so 
Today I did a little Facebook video. Did you see that Facebook video, Charlie? I saw part of it. Yeah, and then I did yeah. it on Instagram. I got to figure out how to do those both at the same time, you know? Yeah. Like, when you put it on, you know, you put yourself on the line like that, and I'm going to do it all at one time, so I'm going to do the video twice. But, so I got to figure out how this whole Instagram IGTV thing works. Have you it's, seen that? Instagram TV? Yes. Yeah, yeah I've seen it. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not very good with Instagram at all. Not good. If you want to tell me how to do it better, go to at Good Morning Liberty on Instagram and tell me how to Instagram better. I got to tell you, even last night I got made fun of by my girlfriend for being an old man. Oh, yeah. Apparently because I use Facebook way more <laughs> yeah. than you know Instagram or Snapchat and yeah. stuff like that. But I, I feel like, I don't know, when I was in high school, Instagram came out, I think, when I was in high school, mm. maybe a little bit before, but not that many people were using it. Yeah. Everybody was still, Facebook was still trending upwards. Yeah. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I like the mix that Facebook has, but I guess that makes me old because I do like the news. Yeah. So, like, I, mm-hmm. I like seeing, you know, I get to see uh, pictures of friends and stuff like that and all the fun stuff. And then I get to, like, see events that people are going to. And maybe I thought about that sounds like fun or that sounds stupid. Yeah. And then the other things I see articles and stuff and I read and, and you know. Yeah, you get to see your news and your photos, and they also have stories on Facebook, right? I don't know how stories work. It's I, basically Snapchat. Flat out don't know how stories work. It's like Snapchat on, stories. Yeah, we, i got to figure this out for yeah. sure. Uh, or we need to hire a social media manager, some, something mm-hmm. like that. But anyway, uh, we were talking about the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. So I was thinking about why would this have not worked, because they got uh, the taxes were cut. There was a pretty big slash in the in the corporate tax rate. And why isn't this meaning that everyone automatically has higher wages? That'd be number one. But why wouldn't they have just raised everyone's wages? Because that's what people uh, were billing as, as this what's this was what was going to happen. And then your narrative is that really they're just keeping all the money for themselves. And one thing I noticed was that a lot of places did give raises out they raised i think walmart raised their minimum wage to 11 dollars an hour after this um a lot of places raised their their minimum pay for their workers um but then what you saw more of was actually bonuses being given out to people mm-hmm. um and and so you'd have people like nancy pelosi or some i don't know just prominent democrat figures saying that people were getting the crumbs left over from the tax cuts. So the reason they would do bonuses instead of a raise in everyone's wages is pretty simple, really, because a a bonus is a one-time thing. It's here's your bonus for this year. The problem is with raising people's wages is you never really hear about people getting called into the office and the manager says, hey, you know, We've fallen on some hard times, and I'm just going to reduce your wage from $15 an hour down to $12 an hour instead. Like, that doesn't really happen. You know, your, your boss doesn't call you in and say, hey, I'm going to take, I'm going to reduce your salary a pretty good amount. You know, that that doesn't normally happen unless Wait, you're doing a really legal? bad job. Is that legal to do? I hope it's legal to do. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It should be legal to do. You I should feel be like it to... should be, but I, I really don't know if you can do but that. But that's how infrequently that happens is that we're questioning whether or not that's even legal to do because that just that doesn't happen. Once your pay is raised up to twelve, thirteen, fourteen dollars and that when you hit those amounts, they don't lower it back down later on. And so all these businesses that are that are running on really tight profit margins, which most businesses do the average the average um the average net profit margin for a fortune 500 company is around eight percent and so yeah the tax cuts help them out on those net profit margins but that doesn't mean that they can immediately raise wages up because what's going to happen in a couple of years Uh, what if trump loses the election or what if we have a very left-leaning person come in to the presidency after Trump has two terms. What all of these businesses know is going to happen is this corporate tax rate is going to get raised right back up. So they can't make these long-term decisions based on this nice tax reduction that they have this year. They can't raise people's wages up uh, based on their new profit margins 
because they can't lower their wages back down when those profit margins get taken away due to higher taxes. So instead, what they're doing is they're offering bonuses to people because that's a one-time thing. We can do it this year. We can choose to not do it next year. We can you know, kind of adjust this year after year and not make people too mad. So that's why we saw a lot more bonuses and a lot more benefits. You know, there's one thing that doesn't get counted in when we talk about people's wages, or you hear the statistic that says wages have been flat over this time period. What's not accounted for in that statistic are employee benefits, which are kind of always going up all, all the time. Total compensation. Yeah. So your your total compensation is different from their their median wage figure that they use for everyone. So mm -hmm. the total compensation is actually going up because of the benefits. So for instance, my wife works for HCA and they've got some amazing benefits there. I mean, a lot of really great, but they're paying her college student, her student loans right now. If you've been there for, I think it's more than a year, uh, they'll actually reimburse you for your monthly payment of your student loan month after month. Up to a certain amount. Up to a certain amount. So they're actually paying people's uh, tuition also if you want to go back to school while you're working there, and they're reimbursing people their student loans. And then they're also doing 100% 401k matching. Um, and then, I mean, it's just up to, I don't think it goes up to like 6% something like mm -hmm. that. So they have all these really great benefits and being a healthcare company, they actually, they have amazing health insurance also. Um, so anyway, all these employee benefits, those have been, been giving out in response to the tax cuts. And you know how I know they're in response to the tax cuts? Because HCA literally sent out a letter to all their employees saying, in response to the tax cuts, <laughs> we're going to be paying off your student loans. Yes. So that they actually said that. Um, and a lot of other companies have done this. So we get this narrative saying that the tax cuts aren't working. The economy's not booming as much as it's supposed to be. Uh, these businesses are actually not raising people's wages. Um, and also, they're not reinvesting back into their company. So they're doing stock buybacks instead with shareholder buyback programs. What does that make you feel like, Charlie? What do you think? Well that's reinvesting back into your company. That's exactly what that's doing. <laughs> what does that make normal people feel like? <laughs> well, yeah, it, ma it makes them feel um, like only the rich are getting richer. Yeah. The shareholder buyback thing gets kind of annoying that it gets such a bad rap because 50% of the United States has money invested in the stock market in some way, shape, or form, whether it's through 401ks, pension plans, IRAs, all those things, a lot of people are invested in the stock market. And when there is a shareholder buyback, the way that that works, when they do a stock buyback, what they're doing is they're removing shares off of the open market. And shares on the stock market are just supply and demand. It's here's how many, see there's a fixed amount of shares available for each one of these companies. So it's how many shares are available and what's the level of demand for those shares. And that's what the price is. So when they do a shareholder buyback, what they do is they remove shares out of the supply that's available. And if the demand is the same, what happens is the stock price goes up because you've got the same demand now for a lower amount of shares. So generally what happens when a company, uh, when a company announces that they're going to do a stock buyback, the price shoots up on the, on the company. And while that's great for those big investors that are taking their big profits right there, it's also great for the millions of other people who have money in that company, which we don't pay attention to those people. We pay attention to about 15 people in the United States and how much money they're making uh, instead of thinking about the, the uh, you know, 100 million people that have money in the stock market somehow. So that's one way that they're doing it. But Yeah, when the market goes up, your money that's in the market goes up, whether you realize it's in the market or not. Yeah, well, and just as the market, even if you don't have money in the market, it also affects the prices of everything else and the strength of all of the other companies that are invested in the market, even if you don't have money in the market. So it's still a good thing for you. But then you come to the idea of repatriation of money. So this money from overseas. I mean, Charlie, what if you're a, if you're a big business that has a lot of money stationed overseas, we get this big tax cut. Like, why wouldn't you just immediately move all your operations over to the United States now? 
you know? Well, because I don't know how long that tax cut's going to last. Exactly. That's the problem. So we're getting this narrative that the tax cuts aren't working, when in fact, these people are just really smart. They've they've gotten a nice windfall from the tax cuts. Their profit margin's gone up a lot. They made a lot more money last year, and they're taking their profits because they know that this might be about the last chance that they have to do that. Because, you, I mean, look at our political landscape these days. Look at the mindset of the American public. People hate businesses. People want the taxes raised on everyone who has more money than they do. So these people all know that, and they get this big chance to withdraw some money, and, and they're taking it instead of putting that money back in the United States. So we have, how long has that Amazon complex been being built down there in Nashville? I mean, that's been going on for a bit, right? I don't know. Was it set to open next year, I think, 2020? Yeah, something like that. They've been building it for, I don't know, a year now, something mm-hmm. like that. So when a company decides they're going to build a new facility or a new headquarters or something like that, it takes years for that to ever come to fruition. You know, it, they have to plan decades in advance whenever they decide that they're going to build a new factory or they're going to build a new headquarters or something like that. So it takes years and years for that to come to fruition. So with, with the political landscape the way it is right now, why would you decide to bring all of your operations back to the United States based on this this one policy from this one presidential administration when everyone else who's running for president says they want the corporate tax rate put up to like 70%? You know, I mean, you got to be smart with your money. You can't spend all that money investing back in the United States and then all of a sudden they raise your taxes up to 70%. So I think that's really what we're seeing right now is they're looking ahead way into the future you know jeff bezos says he thinks on the 200 year time horizon that's how that's how he thinks Uh, these companies maybe they're not thinking that far in advance but they've got to be looking 10 20 years out into the future if you're going to move some kind of facility in the united states if you're a business owner and you look 10 20 years in the future do you legitimately think that the corporate tax rate is going to stay where it's at right now like they know better than that. Mm-hmm. They so they're planning for the future. They can't plan for it. You know, they'd be doing more like what Venezuela does. Where, like, hey, we have all this money from the oil this year. Let's give it all away and not plan for next year. You know, that's what Venezuela did. They never planned for the next year or anything that would happen. Well, these companies, oh, hey, we made a bunch of money last year because the tax rate went down. Let's give it all away to everyone. That's that's not what they're going to do. They're, they're smarter than that. They're looking further out in advance. So we're going to have to, you've heard some people talk about making the tax cuts permanent, which would be meaning that you'd be making some type of an amendment that it's going to stay at this rate. And it would be really hard. It's hard to change amendments. It's hard to make amendments in the first place. Right. So a lot of people have been calling that we, for the idea that we make the tax cuts permanent and that's because they know that businesses are not going to make decisions based on this current policy because the policy is just going to change with the next Congress that comes into power. So um, we'd have to do that. Or I would also, I'd also look at the idea of signing contracts between the government and these businesses saying, we promise that your corporate tax rate will be 22% for the next 30 years. And if you could get corporations to sign on to that and get the government to do that, then maybe you could get them to make some long-term plans in the U.S. The other thing I would say is that I don't, it's not that it's not necessarily working because the government is actually taking in more money. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the extortion is going up, (laughs) even though, even though we don't like it, you know, as, as libertarians or liberty minded people, um, you know, taxes aren't a good thing, but with them lowering the rate from 35 to 22 and a half, 22 and a half, um, with them doing that, they're actually bringing in more money. And that's because if you take a smaller percentage of a larger piece of a pie, uh, because the pie itself is larger then you're going to get more 
calories. But I thought, I mean, our we added one point five trillion dollars to the deficit with this tax cut. That's because we're not. Well, that's because we didn't cut any spending. We yeah. only increased spending. The problem is, even though the government is is taking in more money now than they were beforehand, the spending is still going up faster than the amount of money that they're taking in. That that's what you hear, and they say, "Oh, the one point five trillion dollar tax cut." That number is over 10 years. Good Lord. Mother freaking stop giving us 10-year figures all the time. The $1.5 trillion tax cut is an estimation over 10 years and a reduction in the amount of money that they're going to be taking. That estimation is on those businesses not growing and that piece of the pie not getting bigger and bigger. They're assuming that the same growth would have happened if they had a 35% tax instead of a 22.5% tax. So they're saying, well, the growth that's going to happen, if we would have been taking 35% this whole time, then we would have made this much money off of it. So this is a $1.5 trillion reduction in the amount of money. Well, they're not taking into account that it wouldn't have grown that much if they wouldn't if they would have had a 35% tax on them. So they're they're assuming that the growth that happens would have been the same with a higher tax rate, which doesn't make any sense really at, at all. Right. So it's well, and you can see, you can see the growth on a small scale. So in Tennessee, for instance, we have, uh, it just happened a couple of weeks ago before school. Uh, they do what's called a tax free weekend. Mm. And so in Tennessee, we don't have any state income tax, which is beautiful, but we do have a higher sales tax. So, uh, your sales tax in Tennessee runs roughly, uh, nine to, to almost 10%, 9.75%. Um, that's because we don't have any income tax. And I believe we closed, um, Tennessee closed its fiscal year with 600 million surplus. A couple years ago, it was like 2 billion surplus. So Tennessee makes plenty of money off sales tax. Um, so we don't need a state income tax, which is great. Uh, but what they do to, um, to help people out, let's say, and also give a little boost to the economy is I think twice a year they do this. They have a, what's called a tax-free weekend. That's hilarious that they do that. Yeah. 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 So you go out and you can buy school supplies and clothes and computers. And there's a whole list of things that you can all get tax-free and all these businesses run these sales alongside and, what happens? People come out in droves because they they get to save about 10%, yeah. 10% off. It's it's amazing seeing the government admit that to stimulate the economy, they need to not tax people for a weekend. Uh, uh, hey, mm-hmm. we're going to help everybody out. How are we going to help them out? By not taxing them. It's an, it's just an amazing admission of guilt, honestly, on their part. <laughs> it is. It's, it's so nice. Because, you know, do you think... Charlie, did, regardless of the tax rate, do corporations pay taxes? No. No. None of them do. They don't. You you can see whatever. Amazon paid $0 in taxes. That's not what I mean. I don't mean that they got out of paying taxes in some kind of way. Um, what we mean is that taxes, like everything else, like your material expenses, your your travel your all of those all of your expenses that are worked into the the price of your product taxes are just another thing that's worked into the price of your product at, at all times so corporations never pay taxes the consumers pay taxes that's it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what you make the tax rate you could make it a hundred percent the corporation's not going to pay any taxes they're just going to raise their rate their prices high enough to account for that. So it's just another expense where if a corporation looks for a 20% profit margin on the product, that 20% profit margin is just going to go up as the tax rate goes up and you're just going to get charged more for it. That's that's all that ever happens. That They don't just take it on the chin or and anything you can, like that. You can figure this out by running your own little experiment. Just, just make a little business plan about how you would start a business. Think about a product or a service that you would sell. Maybe something you do right now for your everyday job, like if you do maybe like IT work, if you went out on your own and you were selling your services to someone else, how much would you have to sell those services for to make the money that you need to make and then also pay taxes? And uh, because then now you have to pay your own full Medicare and Social Security. You don't have an employer paying half of it for you. 
and you got to look at all these numbers and figure out, okay, at the end of the day, what's my take home pay after I pay all the expenses I need to do, which you got business license expenses, expenses, you got, now you have business taxes, you've got labor costs. If you have to, if you have to pay for anybody, you have to look at all your expenses at a business. At the end of the day, whatever's left over can be the amount the owner can take home. But then also, I mean, you have to deduct what you're going to save in your business so you can reinvest it into other things. So hopefully that your business grows, because if it's not growing, it's dying. And trust me on that, because Nate and I have started businesses before that did not grow. Yeah, they, they died. They, they're deceased. Like my band. Like your band. Yeah. yeah. Same with me. So so you have to take all those things into account. And if if it's so easy just to pay people a minimum wage you know, just an arbitrary living wage. If it's so easy to, you know, have all the benefits, you know, if you, you see all these memes like, Oh, well, if you can't afford to provide your employees with healthcare, then you shouldn't be in business. Like this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. It's like all you people, especially guys like Bernie Sanders, the guy who's done nothing with his entire life, except being a public's quote unquote servant somehow, uh, never started a business, never done anything of the sort. And so you have people like that that have never actually gone into the trenches to try to figure out how ridiculously difficult it is to actually start a business and it shouldn't be. And so if you think that it's easy to do, uh, then go do it. Yeah. Prove to everyone that you can just go out there and, you know, start a business. I was watching the, uh, Jordan Peterson, Kathy Newman interview again last night, because it's always a good one to go back to. Mm -hmm. And she was talking about how, you know, why don't companies just, uh, why don't the company leaders just, just implement more feminine traits, you know, within the company? Like, and the thing about it is, is like, go do it. Yeah. You know, like start an all female company. No one's stopping you from doing that. Yeah. There's no stopping anyone. There's no one stopping any kind any kind of socialism, any kind of ideas where you have worker-owned businesses. There's no, no one stopping that right now. Go do it. We wrote an article about that a, a month or so ago. Socialism doesn't work. You know how we know it? Because no one's doing it. Because there's no laws stating that you and 10,000 other people can't pull together a thousand bucks a piece into a bank account, and then go start a business and have your own little worker-owned business. I mean, the argument would be that you wouldn't have, to, you wouldn't be so worried about profit. So your your products are going to be cheaper. You're going to pay more money to your people, so you'll be able to attract anyone who works for anyone else to come work for your business, and you'll you'll make a better product and have happier customers. So there's no one stopping anyone from doing that right now. That's the, the socialist idea, the actual socialist idea, the, the definition, is that the workers own whatever, the, just think of the company, I don't know, Ford, Auto, you know, just um, all of those workers would own the company and there wouldn't be this big administration that owns it. They, they would all own it. And then you wouldn't have to worry about all those extra costs. Well, do it. Just do it then. Yeah. That you're no one's doing it. That's how I know it doesn't work because they're not doing it. You need force. They to would make people comply. They'd have to say, then they would say, well, we just, we wouldn't be able to compete with the uh, other people. Okay. Well, why not? You you just said that they overcharge people that get more to get more profits. Right. And they're underpaying people and, uh, and their products are more expensive than they should be. I mean, there's no reason you shouldn't be able to compete with them at all. You're going to have cheaper product and happier workers, you know, just do it. No one's doing it. So, if you, and I, you know, we talked about this yesterday. If you, if you so strongly believe in the ideas and the ideology that you espouse, go act it out. Just go freaking act it out Yeah, and show the world. You don't have to, to prove it by force of law, your ideology, just go show the world how much better your idea is. You know, like we actually practice the ideas that we believe in, you know, we believe in free market capitalism and that's exactly what we practice. So if you believe in some socialist or worker owned company, go start one. Yeah. Get, get 20 people together who have believe in the same thing. You guys all pay each other the same thing 
And when decisions are made, you got 20 people weighing in, try to figure out how to make the decision. and Or 10,000. Or 10,000, however big your company <laughs> is. Get 10,000 people, start a Facebook group, and be like, hey, we're all in this together. Let's all put in 100 bucks, you know, to start this company and start it and start making products and see how well it goes. Yeah. It's Just not do gonna, it. It's not going to go very well. At, at, I'm rooting at for you, honestly. Hey, sure. Hey, if you know? it's better, sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll be there for it the whole time. But no one's doing it, so we know that it's not going to work very well. You wouldn't be able to vote on every single decision that gets made, every single decision that a CEO of a company makes. You're not going to be able to go to all the workers every single time some kind of decision needs to be made. So there's going to be people at the top making decisions. You know you know why I know it doesn't work? Have any of you guys ever been like in a school project? Yeah. Or, yeah. or just think about your workplace today. You know, Nate and I, we're, we're pretty lucky because our workplace isn't as bad, but if you go to a big company, it's, it's, it never fails, you know, or if you've ever been a server or bartender, it doesn't matter. Work, work gossip is ridiculously, I mean, it's just there, you know? Yeah. And you can't believe the amount of people that are like, well, Sarah said she was going to get this done, but she didn't. And <laughs> Bethany was saying that Sarah's husband uh, is a cheater and <laughs> Uh, I just don't like working with her. And so <laughs> you find, try to find 20 people yeah. that all get along and all want the same decisions yeah. made and all of that stuff without having Becky stab Bethany in the back and Sarah running around with a cheating husband and they're, maybe they're in an open relationship <laughs> and other people at the office don't like it. And so now they don't want to do projects with her uh, because of something else. Like just... Think about where you currently work and all the crap that happens like that and try to try to get all those people to make the same decisions and run a company. It's it's impossible. If you've ever waited tables, go wait tables at Olive Garden and split a party with someone. You know, a big party of 20 or 30 people come in and split that, you know, a few servers taking taking care of the party. Tell me when that party leaves that you honestly believe that all of the servers should have split the tips evenly. You don't you don't think that never happened. You're always like, oh, they they were they were doing something else and the party needed this and I was having to take care of more of it the whole time and so I should be able to get more of the tip money because I actually did a better job than they did on this party. Like that's always how it goes. You we can't even do it when there's two servers splitting a party of twenty people. You know, that that they can't agree that the two of them put in equal work and so they should make equal money. You know, mm -hmm. so then you blow this up to a company that's got 2.3 million people like Walmart does and tell me that honestly all of them should be making the same amount of money. That they shouldn't. They're all working the same output when they work their 40 hours a week. Yeah. So you know, that leads kind of in the next conversation with oh, minimum yeah, wage. True, true. You know, because if you work, you know, the whole thing is you work 40, anybody that works 40 hours a week deserves a living wage. And the thing about it is, is like, you know, a robot, I can measure the output of its running for 40 hours. Like I can run this robot for 40 hours and I can actually measure the production. Whereas like you have regular people, it's a lot more difficult to quantify what their actual production is per hour. I mean, people track things like tasks and whatever, how many items I guess you stocked on a shelf or how quickly you got this done, whatever. Well, it's so skewed between people and there's different talents. Uh, we, Jesus Christ, we live in a, in a diverse world. Imagine that everyone's different. People think differently. People have new ideas all the time. They have all the, like, you know, Nate is really good at some different menial tasks and I'm good at nothing. And so that's why we work so well together. <laughs> good team. <laughs> you know? Isn't that funny? Like, we're all different and unique. Uh, we all have different qualities and attributes, yet somehow we all deserve to get paid the same amount of money. And that it's just not it's just not the case. We we've all got different amounts of productivity that we bring to every single job. Right. So saying that everyone should be able to get paid the same amount of money is is ridiculous. If you've ever worked with anyone, you know that some people within your group do better and are more productive than others all, all the time. Like for instance, if you 
Let's say you both, let's say me and you work at Walmart and we both have one pallet and you're able to unpack that pallet and stack it beautifully on the shelf in an hour. And I'm more of a perfectionist. And even though you've done it to code, let's say I'm more of a perfectionist. And so it takes me two hours to unload the same pallet, stack it on the shelves. My shelves look slightly a little bit better. The lines are more creased (laughs) and there's, you know, for people that are symmetrical, it's more aesthetically pleasing, but for people who are more abstract, they don't really care that much about my shelves. Um, but let's, so, so how do you weigh those two? I mean, we're both working 40 hours a week. Yeah. Don't we deserve a living weight? But you are able to stock shelves much faster. Yeah. And therefore you're able to get products to the shelves faster, which in turn provides more value to the company. As long as people think that the shelves are aesthetically pleasing enough that they want to purchase the products. Yeah. And so you have all these factors weighing in. And so how can you even arbitrarily say that if you work and you're not even defining the output of value of the work, but if you work 40 hours a week, that somehow you just deserve a living wage. Now, look, I'm not saying that people don't deserve a living wage. Like I think people should have a living wage. Like you should be able to, to make enough money to feed yourself and your family and have nice things or whatever. I want everybody to have that, but the way to go about it isn't to mandate some arbitrary number because that goes completely against the, the free market. And when you go against free market, you're going against Liberty. Well, speaking of, uh, really adverse effects that happen. We have this nice story coming out of New York. And what happened in New York was they raised their minimum wage up to $15 an hour for the whole city. Fake news. <laughs> and they've actually, uh, this has really been hurting the restaurant in, industry uh, because they're actually paying servers $15 an hour. Which I thought this worked in Seattle though, didn't it? Mm, no, actually it didn't work in Seattle. So far people are making less money with oh, the higher wages. Okay. Yeah, because it's actually a pretty good chart down here. We'd actually see. Oh, kind of like when Amazon went up to 15, people actually took home less money and yeah. because they got... They didn't get any stock options or anything like that. They used to get a couple stock options at the end of the year, get a couple shares of stock, and now they don't get that anymore. They Hmm. get $15 an hour, but they don't get the stock options anymore. So uh, people are actually in real compensation making less money than they used to. Weird. And even at at, um, just this figure right here, just take this into consideration. At 40 hours per week, making $13 an hour, is more money than 33 hours per week making $15 an hour. And that's what's been happening in New York, where if you were actually getting 40 hours per week at your job and you were getting $13 per hour, you're making 520 bucks every single week. But what's happened since they raised the wages was businesses has have been lowering their hours that they're giving people. And so now people are getting 33 hours per week they're getting paid $15 an hour versus the 13, but now they're actually making $495 per week, which is less than 520. Last time I checked, I don't have a calculator right next to me, but it seems less. So uh, New York raised their minimum wage of $15 an hour. Now this is uh, this is coming up from, it was 11 in, in 2016, it was $11 an hour. So We've actually got a 37% increase in the minimum wage in New York in just two years. And so the restaurant industry is really having a tough time. A lot of places closing. Most of them are reducing are reducing their hours. So uh, they actually did this survey uh, last year and said that 75% of the respondents uh, have said that they are reducing their employees' hours because of the new wage. 75% of them are reducing their employees' hours. Fake news. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> and then uh, 47%, almost half of them said that they will be firing people because of the minimum wage, not just reducing hours. They're going to be straight up firing people. So, Fake news. <laughs> I like your little Trump... Trump hand signal right there. <laughs> it's huge. Fake news. Yeah. Fake uh, news. So huge. this is this is a uh, real this is real news. Um <clears throat> what's happened they this is just from one restaurant owner. 
um, this person operates four restaurants in Manhattan. And um, she said that the $15 minimum wage has increased her labor costs by $600,000. She has four restaurants and it's increased her labor costs by $600,000 in the last couple of years. So what are you going to do? Are you going to just, you got a couple options. Either you're going to have less people working. Um, you're going to reduce the amount of hours that everyone's working or you're going to raise your prices. And they're actually getting a combination of all of those things, which is, which is what you're going to get. It's not going to be one or the other. It's going to be all of them combined. I don't know how many of you out there run restaurants, but the profit margin isn't the greatest no. with restaurants. In fact, I think restaurants are up there with like the number one failing business because a lot of people don't understand how yeah. to properly run restaurants and they, they go out of business quite frequently. And we will teach them someday. Yes, yeah, we will. Yeah. We spend a lot of time in restaurants. Lots of time. We were managing a pretty big restaurant. How old were you at that time? Hmm. I first started managing when I was 17. Yeah. Yeah. What about that? The, uh, you know, the, the lodge that we were managing. Yeah. I was 18. <clears throat> yeah. I was maybe like 20, something like that, 19 yep. or 20. Uh, and literally managing a restaurant with 20, 20 something employees mm -hmm. making the schedule inventory, all that kind of stuff. Make, you know, specials opening and opening and closing the place, doing all the books, all that stuff. When, when we were, you know, maybe I was 20 and Charlie was 18, yeah. something like that. So 18, 19, we've got some experience in the restaurants and labor is a very, very big cost. That is what we're finding here. Uh, kind of crazy to think that you'd be making $15 an hour waiting tables because when I was waiting tables here in Nashville, I mean, what is it like $2 and something an hour that you get paid? 213, 213 an hour. I think maybe it's gone up a little bit since we were waiting tables. I don't but, think so. Um, you still made, I mean, what do you think you averaged all the time? Um, I, I typically made close to 500 bucks a week. That was my, that was my goal. Yeah. Usually you were probably making 25 bucks an hour on average. Yeah. Depending on the, depending on how long my shift is. And then when I got into, into bartending and other stuff, I made more sometimes, you know, there, there were sometimes I would make two or 300 bucks in, in one shift. Yeah. That's you know? kind of almost like a plus I'm handsome and charming. The, <laughs> that is a big deal. Yeah. <clears throat> That's very important for I work Wednesday tables. nights, ladies nights, you know. Ladies nights. <laughs> yeah, ladies nights at the bar. Yeah. Um <clears throat> so it's kind of crazy. It's almost like a business owner where uh, as a server like here, you're taking a lower guaranteed amount of money for the the opportunity to make a whole lot more on the back end. And if you're really good, you will make a lot more money than whatever the higher mm -hmm. wage guarantee would be. Um, You'll have your few crappy tables, as always. Yeah, you for know, sure. People who never tip. Freaking Sunday crowds, you know, Yep. those people. Would you say those are the worst people to wait? They are. Yeah. Especially when we worked at Olive Garden. I don't know what it is. You know, it's obviously no offense to the Sunday church crowd. That's not what I mean. But I yeah. don't know what it is about going to church that makes you a terrible freaking person. <laughs> But that's exactly what you see if you wait tables. Ask every single person you know mm -hmm. to wait tables. It's the truth. I, so if you're a, sun, you're a Sunday church-going person, make it your goal this weekend to be overly nice to your server because your server automatically assumes that you're going to be just as terrible as all the other tables that are now, in there. I, I mean, I saw a lot of, I saw, you know, a decent amount of church people who were really nice, you know. But, yeah. But especially Olive Garden was an interesting one because we were required and granted, how old were we? Like 20, 21. I was, tw I think I was 20. No, I was 21 when I moved to Nashville. And um, that was our first job when we moved here. Yeah. 10 years ago. Wow. Look at that. And so we were required to offer a wine sample mm -hmm. at every single table. It was a requirement. You could not, not offer wine. And it never failed Sunday lunchtime after church. You would always get those tables that would come in and each table had wine glasses already set up on the table. So you could just pour a little sample of wine. If they wanted some wine, you know, Jesus drank wine too. And what would happen is you would get these tables that would stack their wine glasses at the front of the table and you would go there and you go to offer wine. And before you could even say anything, you'd literally get the most snarky 
comment you could ever imagine. It sounded something like this. We don't drink. <laughs> like, Were you waiting tables in Alabama? Uh, yeah. yeah. We don't drink. We don't drink. <laughs> Just like as snarky as you could possibly imagine. And it's like, okay, well, good for you. That's yeah. awesome. I'm glad you don't drink. This is, I'm at my job right now. Yeah. Like This is what I have to do. My name's Charlie, yeah. by the way. And I'm, bring, I'm here to serve you. Literally, there's a manager watching me to see if I bring a bottle of wine to your table. Because if I don't, I'm going to get in trouble. And then it's like they're judging you because you're working on a Sunday and you're not in church. But it's like, well, who would give you food <laughs> after church if, you, nobody, yeah. or if everybody was in church? Yeah. Who do you expect is going to right. wait on your table when you go somewhere? Right. You know, and I don't know. But... The minimum wage, it's such a weird concept. You were talking earlier about how different people have different amounts of productivity, you know. On Even more than that, where you're thinking about the people at Walmart that are stocking the shelves and everything, even more than that, um, different businesses have different amounts of value from their workers. So it's the minimum wage is really weird because it, like, in theory, if you're someone who supports a minimum wage, you're thinking, oh, well, everyone brings at least $15 an hour in value to the table, so they have to get paid at least $15 an hour. That's It's just not always the case. Like Different businesses sell different things at different prices, and you can't just dictate that someone who works at a business is magically bringing in enough value to dictate that they get paid that much money. Maybe they're at a small business and or it's a startup or something like that where, where they're literally not bringing in that much money. Uh, and sometimes people don't come into the restaurant or sometimes people don't come into your business and yet you're still mandated to pay them this minimum amount because they obviously brought this much money to the table that day where they didn't think, at all. Think about this, okay? There's a lot of jobs out there, highly skilled jobs, where they have this starting pay, right? And what that does is that entices people to go to school or whatever. One I can think of, maybe maybe a decently easy example is, is a nurse, right? And so I don't think nurses get paid nearly enough, and I'm, I'm probably biased because my girlfriend's a nurse, but for what they do, especially, and I, and I actually went to nursing school for a year, uh, yeah. straight out of high school. And so I was going to go into nursing, um, cause I care about people and they don't make nearly enough, but let, but they do make more than the minimum wage. And I think around, I think in Nashville, it, pro- it starts like 25, 30, something like that, uh, dollars an hour. And they do that for a specific reason. And the reason why is because they want to entice people to go get their nursing license. But here's the crazy thing is that to get, they just don't let anybody have a nursing license, by the way. No. You have to get accepted into a nursing school, and you have to invest time and money learning specific skills to be a baseline uh, skilled nursing person, right? And so that's how the market kind of controls who can make that higher amount of money. You know, you see this, uh, you know, right now there's a shortage of crane operators. And so there's companies out there willing to pay people to go to a trade school for, I think, a year. And they train you how to be a crane operator and you come out making like a hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. And that's a pretty good, pretty good job there. You know, a hundred thousand dollars a year, you're making like 55, 60 bucks an hour. Yeah. Right. And so what they do is to entice people to get into a skilled field. They say, hey, this is your starting pay because they know that once you have the qualifications of that skill, you're going to be providing at least that much value. Well, that same thing applies to minimum wage jobs. You have to have a certain level of skill even to um, get any sort of job. And if your skill level is zero, well, then that's your starting point, yeah. right? It's, it's literally zero. There's a lot of people who do free internships. Why? It looks great on a resume. You're somebody willing to put in the work, willing to put in the hours and say that you're dedicated and that, Hey, I'm someone that can provide value to you. And I did this internship and I learned some skills and now I'm, I'm, I'm able to give your company value. I deserve to be paid something for that. And so each, each level doesn't matter how high you go, like doctors, you usually start out at six figures, right? You have certain professions, whatever. 
IT people, right? There's this huge push for cybersecurity and all this other stuff like, oh, you can start making 60 grand a year and that's way better than what's minimum wage. Is If it's $15 an hour, that's what, 32000 a year or something like that? Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. I don't know. So if you go, if you'll get a highly sought after skill, then your base pay goes way up. Well, I can tell you this because I started out at McDonald's and, uh, in fact, I became a manager at McDonald's when I was 17. And I think as a manager, I was making like $12 an hour and I was running that show, man. Yeah. I ran it. But when I was 17, $12 an hour is good money, you know? I was well, just worried about buying movie tickets and well, and making was, sure I had enough gas for my car. It was like 1975, so I mean, that, that's a really good amount of money. Yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. I'm only 30, man. <laughs> Jesus. I was, negative, I was negative 13 years old in 1975. <laughs> only Jesus knew about me. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. But, you know, back then, and I can tell you, like, as a 17 year old, I learned how to do everything at McDonald's because guess what? It's not that hard. It's not hard. No, it's, but you need, you need a little bit of basic math and you need a, a little bit of labor skills and you know how to follow some rules and, and there's timers and stuff you have to follow, but everything is kind of set out there for you. In fact, their grills are two sided grill. Like you put the meat on there and you press a button and this other grill that it's like a, it's like a clam. In fact, that's what they're called, clam grills. This other girl comes down and cooks the top side for you. And then when it's it's been on the grill long enough, it beeps at you and it opens up and says, hey, like take the meat off because now I'm cooked. Yeah. Like that's how much... That's about you're it. You're not a chef, no. by the way. No. You haven't learned any type of real life skill. And so when you think about minimum wage or whatever the whatever value that you actually provide to these to these people is that's what it's set at you have to have a certain level of skill to demand a certain enough wage because the companies are only able to charge what people are actually willing to pay for products and services well and what we're finding is when you institute a higher minimum wage like what they did in Seattle or what they did in New York these different places when you institute a higher minimum wage, what they end up doing, if you're not providing that much value, uh, they either have to raise prices, which they have done a lot, or they have to cut people off the floor. They got to fire people. And you can't, you can't beat the basic economics of the situation. If you are not bringing in enough value to dictate that wage, then you're not going to be making that wage much longer. You have to make sure you're bringing that much value to the table or you'll you'll end up getting fired. And the problem with this arbitrary number that we tell every business they have to pay is that a a low skill employee at one business is not automatically worth the same amount as a low skill employee at some other business in a totally different industry. So it's it's a it's a terrible idea. I I don't recommend that we pay everyone $1 an hour and then everyone's poor and then we just go into mass starvation. I I don't think that's what's going to happen. Um but I do recommend that we allow people to uh, to compete for their own wages and maybe not force people up to a higher pay scale that they can't bring enough value to the table. Because we end up doing, if you want to really help people, if you want to help poor people or you want to help... Um, you want to help people who don't have a college degree, something like that. If you if you really, really want to help people, then you don't want to dictate that they get paid some kind of base figure because if they're not worth that base figure, and I don't mean their self-worth or their moral worth or anything, I mean the actual dollar amount that they bring in to the business, if they are not worth that much money, then they're not going to get hired. And speaking of being worth that much money it's not even if it's $15 an hour you got to realize the the business is paying the FICA tax on top of that and you're paying half of it and then they pay the other half of it and then they're probably paying for some kind of benefits and some kind of employee insurance and if there's a person who's making $15 an hour somewhere the the corporation is probably paying something like $19 an hour for them so if you're getting dictated to be paid $15 an hour, you've got to actually be bringing in $20 an hour to be able to continue making that wage where you're going to get fired. And that's that's what is happening 
in New York and Seattle. And we're just saying, you know, if you really want to help people, let the free market work out some of these prices. You know, don't don't dictate that they get paid so much money that they don't get hired. Uh, don't dictate that they get paid so much money that they're actually making less money every week. You know, that's what's happening now. People are getting less hours than they used to. They're making less money than they used to. That's not good. It might make you feel better because you fought for something that sounded like it was going to help people. It doesn't mean that you're actually helping people. It means you're actually hurting them. So, uh, thanks a lot for listening today, guys. Share this show with a friend. If you think you have a friend or a family member that needs to hear this, then share it with them. Tell them about the Good Morning Liberty podcast. Follow us on Instagram. It's at Good Morning Liberty. Uh, on Twitter, it is at Good AM Liberty. Look us up on Facebook, Good Morning Liberty. If you want to buy some great Liberty merch, we've got some shirts that say BernieLies.com. If you want to show your support when you go around, you want to show the BernieLies.com logo, show everyone that you do not believe the constant lies told by one of America's greatest tricksters and manipulators, who is Bernie Sanders. If you want to show people your political smarts by doing that, then go over to goodmorningliberty.us slash shop and grab yourself a nice shirt. I mean, they're like 18 bucks, you know, 18 bucks and you support us so we can keep doing this program so we can keep getting some basic economics out to the masses so we can kind of do our best to stop this whole thing from tumbling down to the ground that's what we're doing so if you guys do all of those things leave us a rating and review if you do all those things then we will see you again tomorrow have a good day and a good morning liberty